Humans have a profound need to make sense of our experience. And one of the primary ways we do that is through stories. When we think we're responding to a person, experience, or feeling, what we're usually really responding to is the story we're telling ourselves about that experience. And when we confuse interpretation with reality, we give our stories a degree of power and influence over us they don't deserve. My name is Scott Swanson, and I love helping people develop fresh insight into the stories that guide their lives. Because insight brings choice, and choice empowers and frees. What stories we tell to interpret our experience matter. Doing a better job of interpreting what's going on around and inside us can make for a better life and a better world. Hi there. I want to tell you today a story about me and my dad. Uh, he's gone now, died a couple of years ago. When I was in my 20s and 30s, I was really angry with my dad. He was older uh, back then when I was growing up. It wasn't as common as it is today for children to have older parents. So my father was, he was 45 when I was born, which was unusual back then. And um, he was, you know, he was dad. He was a good dad in many ways. And, and when I was in my 20s and 30s in particular, I found myself really aware of the ways in which I felt that he had let me down. I felt that he had not been the father that I wanted or needed him to be. It wasn't that he hadn't been around. He'd been physically present. But my sense was that he had not been as emotionally present as I wished he had been. So through my 20s and 30s, I never lost touch with him. I never broke off contact with either of my parents. But I felt this sense of anger and disappointment, uh, feeling that I had been hard done by. I remember going and visiting with my half-brother. So my father was married twice, and he had two children from his first marriage. Uh, and my brother, who is 19 years older than I am, I had gone down to have lunch with him. And one of the reasons I wanted to visit with him was because I wanted to ask him about his experience of our father when he was growing up. And he told me about that, and I don't remember too much of it now, but I remember saying at some point in the conversation, you know, it sort of turned to me and like, why are you asking me this? And I said, well, you know, and I told him how I felt that I had been let down by our father. Like he hadn't been the dad that I wanted him and needed him to be. And I don't remember what his wisdom was around that now, but he, he didn't blow me off, but he also didn't fuel it. He just kind of let me be where I was with that relationship. Anyway, years went by. My father and I were similar in some ways and very different in other ways. I suppose that's true for most kids and their parents. And as I was growing up through my 20s and 30s and even into my early 40s, I was more aware of the differences between us, of the space between us, than I was of the similarities. He was of the war generation. He had fought in the Pacific in World War II. Uh, he came from an entirely different world than I did, from the American Midwest. 
he had just had a completely different set of experiences and then his personality, which was in many ways just different from mine and something that I had a hard time acclimatizing to, or maybe that's not the right word, a hard time accepting. It all changed when I turned 45. As I was coming up upon my 45th birthday, which was three weeks before my father's 90th birthday, one of my friends in this group of guys who I get together with gave me a wand. And he invited me to use this as a talking piece that when we got together for my father's 90th birthday, because all the family was going to be there, when we got together for his birthday, we should um, use this wand and pass it around the room and everybody could say something to dad about what he had meant to them. And it was in the days leading up to my 45th birthday and I started thinking about how I was the age that my father had been when I was born. And I thought about what was going on in my life at that time. I thought about how it would have been really inconvenient to have had a newborn when I was 45 with what I had going on in my life. It would have been an intrusion. And then I started thinking about how much energy it would have taken, how much work it would have been. And I started realizing how the last thing I would have wanted was to be in the situation that he was in. He was newly married to my mom, and I think happy enough to have a child. You know, I wasn't an accident. But I started thinking, I don't know if I would have done at his age what he did. And then I started thinking about the other things that he did for me. Because my sense of that his absence was kind of an emotional absence, like he was quiet and he was distant. But every Saturday morning, he would drive me from where we lived in one suburb of Vancouver to another suburb of Vancouver. It was probably at least a 40-minute drive each way for my half-hour drumming lesson. Every Saturday he drove me there and back. And then I remembered that when I was in Scouts, I was, how old are Scouts? Like 11, 12, something like that. He was one of my Scout leaders. So he would have been in his later 50s. And he was taking us on camping trips and sleeping in tents and walking up the sides of mountains with a bunch of 11, 12, 13-year-old boys. And I started to realize how much he had been there for me in the way that he knew how, in the way that he was able. It wasn't necessarily what I wanted, but it was what he could do. And for the first time in a very long time, I had this sense of deep gratitude for my dad and for what he did for me and what he gave me. And something shifted in me at that point. And I, you know, I still, I had this sense afterward of the ways in which he had not been as much as I had wanted. But somehow it mattered less because I knew that he had done what he could do. I also saw this through, you know, the eyes of being a parent myself. 
and the ways in which I haven't always been there for my children, I imagine, the way that they wanted or needed me to be. But, you know, I don't believe that any of us who are parents get up in the morning and think, what can we do to make our children's lives miserable today? You know, I think the vast majority, if not all of us, are doing the best we can every day. Is it good enough? It is what it is. Some people are disappointed, no doubt, but it's the best that we can do. And when I was able to finally accept in my mid-40s that my father had done not only the best that he could do, but he had gone to places where I, in his shoes, would not have wanted to go. I was able to let go of my resentment and my anger, and I was able to love him for who he was and not be angry at him for who he wasn't. This period in our lives, 20s, 30s, 40s. It's not unusual for us to be sorting out our relationship with our parents. You know, we grow up, we're different. We, we have different values sometimes than our parents. We have different beliefs than our parents. And there's something natural as we grow into adulthood of differentiating ourselves and, and, and separating ourselves from our parents. We don't live with them anymore, and, and we are our own people. And there is a reordering. There's a reorganizing that sometimes has to happen in there. And sometimes in the midst of that reorganizing and reordering, there is a distance that comes in between a child and his or her parents. And it doesn't always happen. But when it does, it's okay. And sometimes that's what we need in order to be able to define ourselves in the world. If that's your situation, then I hope for your sake and for your parents' sake that you won't stay too far away for too long. I took a long time to come around to being able to appreciate and love my father for who he was and not be disappointed for who he wasn't. We were never that close in the sense that even after I was able to appreciate what he had done and the sacrifices that he had made for me, our personalities still weren't any more aligned than they had been before. There was not a lot that we could talk about. And most of our conversations were fairly superficial. He was an extremely talented guy. He could build stuff. He could fix stuff. He could he was great with his hands. I mean, absolutely useless with my hands. You know that whole thing about measure twice, cut once? Well, I, my thing is measure four times, cut once, and it's still wrong. Absolutely useless. But, but where my gifts are, are around, you know, ideas and, and thinking and, and, and deep conversations. So if you find yourself at a time in your life where you are figuring out things with your parents, making sense of your past and your childhood, what they gave you, what they didn't give you. If you're in that position, do the work because it's important work to do, but don't cut them off unless you really feel you have to. Don't stay away too long because time goes quickly. My dad died a couple of years ago now. He was 97 and a half and he lived a good life and he died well. And I was so blessed and grateful to have been able to be there and to midwife him out of this life. 
it was truly a gift. And I think that, you know, when he died, we were, I was as much at peace as I would ever be with our relationship. And my hope is that that will be the case for you as well. Right now, you have, like we all do, a set of stories about your parents, who they were, who they weren't, what they did, what they didn't do. And those stories can become a, a pretty rigid framework for understanding who they are as human beings. I think the truth is that when we get locked into a certain small set of stories about anybody, parents or, you know, anybody, then the, the people that we have this small or narrow defined set of stories about risk becoming two dimensional. And so if, if we can remember that these are human beings, they're people who are getting up in the morning and doing the best they can, just like we are, if we can come to some peace or sense of and gratitude for whatever it was they gave us, even if what they gave us made our lives harder and caused us to suffer, you know, Tony Robbins, you, if you've listened to any of stuff, you've probably heard this story. He had a, a really difficult relationship with his mother. She was an addict. She was on alcohol and drugs a fair bit of the time. And uh, he's very grateful to her for everything that she gave him, everything she did for him. He's been able to move beyond whatever negative feelings he had toward her. And I suspect in part that it was her being the kind of person that she was that helped him to become the person who he is. Tony Robbins is a kind of extreme example, but isn't that the case for all of us, right? For better or for worse, whether it's through the love they gave us or the suffering they produced in us that our lives in some sense are a response to what they did, to who they were, for better or for worse. And that's up to us. We get to choose whether we want to broaden the stories, whether we want to deepen the stories, whether we want to be able to, in the same way that I did when I suddenly began to see my dad in a new way. So let's say that you decide you want to do this. You want to broaden and deepen uh, the stories that you have about your parents, who they were, what they did, what influence that had on you, etc. How can you go about doing that? Let me give you a couple of ideas. The goal here is to reframe our thinking. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about uh, denying your experience or somehow trying to um, make yourself think that what you think happened didn't happen. It's not about denying or resisting your current experience and the way you've interpreted that. It's about embellishing that. It's about adding to it in new ways. So the goal here is to reframe our thinking and reframing with the goal of achieving a new level of insight. The thing about insight is that we start off by seeing something one way and then we have an experience. Somebody asks a question, 
something happens and we have an insight. And after that, we can't help but see this thing that we were looking at before in a different way. We still have the ability to go back and see it the way we saw it before, but now we have an option. We have another way to think about it, like a new angle on the same thing. One thing you could try is if you have siblings, you could talk to them. If you haven't done this already, it's almost certain that your siblings had a different experience of your parents than you did. Maybe not a radically different one. Maybe it was radically different, but it was almost certainly different. And so if you haven't talked about these kinds of things with them before, this is an opportunity to experience your parents from their perspective. That's one thing you can do. Another thing you can do is you can work on your language. There's this interesting relationship between language and what we perceive reality to be. And we, we tend to think that, you know, things are the way we are, and then we use language to describe what we see. But in fact, the way it works is that we use language to describe what we see, and that in turn influences what we see and what we don't see and how we think. So by playing with language, by changing your language and experimenting with new ways, we give ourselves some space on what feels solid and firm and real. And we begin to see it as one possibility amongst other possibilities. So for example, let's say uh, you're going to do this with your dad. Start by getting a piece of paper and something to write with. And now write down on that piece of paper a statement that you believe to be true about your father. So for example, I might write, my father does not easily share his feelings with me. Then ask yourself, is that true? Yes or no? Then ask yourself, can you absolutely know that that's true? And sit with that for a second and just see what comes. Can you absolutely know that that's true? Maybe the answer is yes. Maybe the answer is no. The next question is, how do you react? What happens? Who are you when you believe that thought? And take some time to write that down. What images come to mind? What emotions and sensations do you experience when you think that thought? How do you treat your father when you're thinking that thought? Uh, how do you treat yourself? The next thing is to continue writing and to ask yourself, who would you be without that thought? So who would I be if I didn't have the thought that my father does not share his feelings easily? with me. Think about that for a little bit and do some writing and take your time with this. And then I invite you to write down a few more sentences on your piece of paper. So take that original thought, whatever it is, and write down the opposite of that. So if my original thought is, uh, was, you know, my father does not easily, easily share his feelings with me, then the opposite of that would be my father easily shares his feelings with me. So see, do that, see how that sits, see what comes up as you think about that. Okay, so once you've done that, then the next step is to take the thought and turn it around. And so if you have a subject and an object, you just invert them. So in, in the case of example of my father does not easily share his feelings with me, I would write down, I do not easily share my feelings with my father. Sit with that for a little bit, see what comes. And then the last one is to turn it toward yourself. I don't easily share 
my feelings with myself. And again, sit with that and see what comes up and do some writing, do some journaling about that. What I've just outlined is a process called The Work. It is created by a woman named Byron Katie, and you can look her up online and you'll find this exercise there. It's just one of the tools that we can use to begin to expand our thinking, to get out of the, the habits, the habitual patterns of thinking, the ruts that we get into. Um, I kind of think of it like uh, a path through tall grass, right? If you've got a field of tall grass and uh, a person approaches the field of tall grass and they decide they're going to walk through it, well, they have to they have to bushwhack. They have to beat down the grass in front of them. And in the process of doing that, they create a bit of a path behind them. The next person comes along. Well, they have to decide, do they, are they going to make their own path? Are they going to beat down grass somewhere else? Or are they going to do the slightly easier thing, which is to follow the beginnings of the path that the person in front made? And so as each time this happens and more people come along, the likelihood is that they're going to take the path that's already there. And the more they do, the more uh, well-worn that path gets, the easier that path gets to follow. It's not a perfect analogy, but, but our thinking is sometimes like that. We get into a particular thought pattern or thought process, and we're more inclined to go back to that same thought process the next time than we are to look for a different one. And so what this process of the work that Byron Katie created does is it forces us to look at other paths. And in the process of, of looking at other paths, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that we won't at the end of the day come back and say, no, my father does have a hard time sharing his feelings with me. But there will be insights for you in terms of your part in that relationship and, and maybe some insights for you around your dad's uh, or your parents' part in that relationship. So there's a couple of things you can try to um, begin to think more deeply and more broadly about this person, these people in your life. And may you find grace. May you find love. May you experience a deep sense of gratitude, either for what they gave you or for what they couldn't give you that you figured out on your own or somewhere else. And, you know, I would love to hear about your uh, father. Now, I've been talking about my father. I haven't told you about my mother. That's a whole other story, which I won't get into today. But I would love to hear um, from you about your father. And this is, you know, largely a program not for men, but it's, you know, most of the people I work with are, are men. And, and my my target audience is, is uh, men in their, you know, 20s and 30s. And so I, on one level, I'm interested in men's experience of their own fathers, but it may have been your mother, you know, if your father wasn't around. And if you're a woman listening to this and want to uh, tell me about your, one of your parents as well, I'd love to hear it. Write me a little note, send it to me, email it to me at info at scottrswanson.com and tell me about your parent and what they gave you and how they blessed you and maybe a little bit of what was difficult if you want to share that how you have come to terms or are in the process of coming to terms with 
your own parents, as you may well be coming into a time of your life where if you are not already a parent, you may be one uh, before too long. And that gives us a whole new lens on our own, our experience of our own parents, you know, once we have our own children and, and we start to see the world from, from their end of the magnet, right? Their pull on the magnet. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, I encourage you to please uh, help by uh, sharing it with one or two or 100 or 200 of your close personal friends who you think might benefit from it. You can like this episode of the podcast and subscribe to it if you would. You can also do that on YouTube, subscribing to the YouTube channel, which will have all of the podcast episodes that I produce, as well as other videos which are not part of the podcast. I'll see you back here soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Personal Story Coach Podcast. What are you taking away with you that can help you change the way you think about your life? I help people, mostly men, gain insight into their current stories and practice telling ones that better align with their purpose and principles. If you'd like to know more about what I'm working on, go to personalstorycoach.com. There you can subscribe to my blog, see my menu of offerings, and sign up for my mailing list. Until next time. Thank you.